Welcome to the Friday Night Clive podcast with me, Clive Payne. In this podcast, we look back at the amazing charities, organisations and people we have chatted to over the past few months, all of whom have interesting and important stories to tell. It's hard to imagine what homelessness is like and what trials and tribulations you have to face on a day-to-day basis. We've all seen people who are sleeping in shop doors or on benches in parks, but why are they forced to do this? And indeed, as I was saying earlier on, are they forced to do it or do they do it of their own volition? To talk about homelessness and a charity event to raise awareness and funds for the hopeless, for the homeless sorry, is Barry Hodge, who is Head of Fundraising and Communications at the charity St Basil's and he joins me on the line now. Good evening Barry. Good evening Clive. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. Barry first of all who was St Basil then? So St Basil's is a a youth homeless charity that's uh, been based in the West Midlands for over 50 years. Uh, We were founded in Birmingham um, in 1972 uh, and from there we have grown into a charity that supports between four and five thousand young people every single year accommodates around about 650 young people every single night, uh, whilst providing what we call floating support to a further 250. And we have projects uh, really across the whole of the West Midlands. Um, right, yeah, across the whole West Midlands. So what sort of things do you do that where, where you help homeless people? So, I mean, we always say, in the loosest possible sense, and, I, and I'm, I'm mindful of, of kind of how this may sound, the easiest part of our job Clive is putting a roof over someone's head, but the hardest part is keeping it there. So Why? our whole work. Why? Well, Mary. this is about you know the, the the fact of the matter is if you're taking someone who is at crisis point in their life and you put a roof over their head, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, if you don't deal with the issues that led to that homelessness, whether it be issues around family breakdown, which is the number one cause for homelessness across the piece, um, whether it be young people, whether it be older people. Um, if you don't deal with the issues that have resulted in them being homeless, um, then you will not, you will, essentially that cycle will repeat. So our job, like many charities like yours, is, is really to, to prevent that from happening. And how do you do that? Because that must be a tremendous challenge when you're fighting perhaps with bureaucracy and you know, working in partnership with other charities and agencies to actually look after that individual. So you know, that, that probably takes up an awful lot of time and resources. Um, it does, um, but, you know, it's a very, very challenging piece of work that we do, there is no doubt. But I think the easiest way I could describe it to, to you and your listeners, so if you're listening to this right now, you're probably, well, you know, in your in your house somewhere, and you may look at maybe a table in front of you now. I always use the analogy of a table to describe homelessness. So a table normally has four legs, and those t- four table legs are what preventing homelessness from happening. So effectively, the tabletop is homelessness and the four table legs are the things preventing it. So that's your family relationships. So as I say, the number one cause of homelessness has is and always will be a family breakdown. In our case, a youth homeless charity is the breakdown between a relationship between a mum and dad or a guardian. For older people, it could be the breakdown of a marriage or a partnership. The second thing is a job stroke education. So effectively, your ability to make money. The third table leg, it's your physical and mental well-being. And the fourth table leg is actually the roof over your head or what we would title affordable housing. If you can no longer afford your accommodation because the rent's doubled in price, then you could fall into homelessness. 
So all we do at Charity like St. Mazel's is trying to keep that table steady. So all of our work is focused on those four table legs. So it's about mending relationships. It's about supporting physical and mental well-being. It's about employment opportunities, about life skills, and about securing safe, secure uh, accommodation for, for the young people that we support. That's the four ways in which we do it. How do you support people then who choose, um, you know, to, to live like this? Because some people become estranged from their families, they fall out with their families, they don't feel, they don't even feel safe at home. Um, and, and, and then they, you know, they, they literally, you know, take up whatever belongings they've got and they run. Uh, so what happens then? It's a very, very good point that you make. And unfortunately, what you have are people who have been so let down by society um, and things have gone wrong in their life. I mean, Clive, you're a smart individual, I can tell, and I'm sure your listeners are as well. Everybody who's listening to this right now knows that nobody walks out the front door of their house one day and ends up, you know, rough sleeping, ends up what you physically see. That is the tip of the iceberg when it comes to homelessness. But the reality is that if support isn't put in place as soon as someone leaves the house um, because of whatever reason that they've had to leave that place, then they begin on a downward spiral. And the reality is that if you're in a situation where you know you end up on the streets and you end up effectively part of a community, and I think this is the big thing. You know, I talk about this a lot. Is that community can be a wonderful thing, <laughs> but community can also be a very negative thing. And if you're in a cycle of where you've had, you know, you've developed um, your coping mechanism has led you to taking drugs or alcohol. Um, the reality of the matter is that you will do everything in your power to, to keep that because that's what you know. So for us, it's really about our outreach team. We have an outreach team that goes onto the streets uh, and effectively supports people out there. And that's the thing, you know, that the charities like St. Basil's, we, we know all the people who are in genuine need in our city. And all we can do is be there to catch people and support them when we can and when they're ready to get that support as well. I think that's a key term here and I think you've, you struck upon it, Clive, in your introduction that sometimes people aren't quite ready for that support. Yeah, I, I can imagine that's the case. Um, so from the perspective of your outreach people, when let, let's say they're out and about tonight in Sandwell or Birmingham or wherever um, and they, they talk to people uh, who are homeless, what initial support can be offered? It's about assessing where that individual is at at that precise moment in time, Clive. You know, are we in a situation where they are literally just needing someone to have a conversation with them and stay with them? Um, are they in a situation where they're ready to receive that help? You know, you know, if people are on the streets, you know, do they have somewhere to go back to? Are they, um, you know, are they? do they have accommodation, but they have, for whatever reason, decided they can't be in that accommodation? Because as I said at the beginning, you know, you put a roof over someone's head, that's fine, but unless you actually put the support in place to support them, then, you know, homelessness is just going to repeat. So all the work really revolves around that at that point in time, assessing where that individual's at and making sure that they have what they need at that particular time so when they're ready to take that support, eh, they're ready to receive it and we're ready to, to step in and help them through the, the issues that they're having in their lives. And they know who to come to as well, that's the important thing. <coughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's the main thing. Something I wanted to to explore with you, and, and you're the man, I'm sure, that has the answer to this, and we see this on television a lot, where people ha have, you know, been working or, or serving with the armed forces, and yeah. they come back into civilian life, and you see people who are ex-services personnel, ex-military yeah. personnel, homeless, living on the streets, or, or whatever. 
what's gone wrong there? Why does that happen? Do we, are we failing them as as a as a nation, as a government, as you know, a, a society? Or again, is this something that they're choosing to do? Well, I mean, it's a very good question. Because I think, um, I think you it's, know, it, you know, it's jolly well out of order, isn't it, really? No, I mean, it is. Um, and, you know, I, I will try to give you an answer, but I, I worry that I might fall slightly short in your expectations because it is such a complex situation. Excuse me, Clive, one second, I'm going to have to cough. That's quite OK. It happens, <laughs> it happens to us all. I've had a cough as well, yep, so apologies. time of year for yep. it, Barry, I'm afraid. It, it certainly is, it certainly is. But, um... But yeah, I mean, you're dealing with individuals who are coming out of the army, um, who have spent their entire lives uh, in a regimented state, living their life according to a particular way, uh, usually joining the army at a very young age, and then coming out um, and effectively not having the necessary support in place in order to adjust to civilian life. So you have many people who are coming out of the army who have suffered severe PTSD, um, that haven't had to, um, you know, have lived their life according to rules when... You know, when they come into civilian life, those rules are no longer applicable. Um, and really, that, that, is, that is a massive issue. And, and actually, it feeds into, to, I mean, where our, our stance and all this in is, you know, we, we're talking about prevention. You know, a lot of our work, life, it doesn't begin when a young person walks through the front door of Basel's. It begins in schools. It begins in colleges. It begins in universities. You know, that's, that's where it needs to be. So, I mean, it's a bigger question about society. This, do we really prepare people for true independence, regardless of where they are and what they decide to do in life. But if you've got people who have served in the armed forces, who have lived their lives in a particular way, um, that, you know, if, if we're not preparing them for civilian life, then unfortunately there are times when things will go horrifically wrong, and we do see that, sadly. And, and again, it's down to what you were saying a moment ago, where, where people, it, it depends whether they are ready to receive that support and receive yeah. that help. Well, I mean, um, I can give you a quick example, actually, mm. of what we, you know, kind of what you're talking about. I mean, this was a few years ago, uh, and I'm mindful, you know, it's a, it's a Friday evening, and your listeners want to, to listen to some lovely music. But I, I, you know, I won't, I won't be too graphic in what happened. But we, you know, there was an individual who was sleeping um, underneath a bridge near um, our offices in Digbeth. So St Basil's is, is based in Digbeth. Mm. As a lot of um, support services are, Digbeth is seen as a bit of a safe haven. Uh, for people um, who are, who are in, in trouble in their lives. Anyway, this, this individual, he was sleeping underneath a, a bridge and every support service went out to this man. Uh, and he was a former army veteran. He'd, he'd served in the armed forces. Severe PTSD. Um, that, that's post-traumatic stress disorder, yes, isn't it? Yes, apologies. Yeah, I'm, 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 apologies. I do talk in acronyms occasionally, but post-traumatic stress that's disorder, okay. she said. Um, and he, uh, yeah, he, he, he just was not willing to take any of the support. All this individual wanted... Um, was to live in a field in the middle of nowhere uh, because he was so severely traumatised by what happened to him uh, when he'd been serving in the armed forces. So ourselves, crisis, uh, cipher fireside, changes, Aquarius, every single organisation that's based in Bigmouth went out to try and support this man and and we couldn't do it. And, And in the end, the only way they were able to get him support is when it got so bad that he was rushed to hospital. Um, because of, of, of issues that happened where he, he essentially had severe hypothermia. And, uh, well, I, I will just tell you, he lost both his legs. That's what happened. So that, that shows you the scale of the issue um, that, sadly, you know, many, many people face. Well, not many people, thankfully, but people do face. Let's move on to World yeah. Homeless Day, then. Why do we need yeah. one? 
I think it's a bit like these days um, that we have. I think it's a, it's a chance to reflect. Um, I think, for me, you know, and it is very much my own opinion, but when you walk down the streets and, and you see someone on the streets, we, we're immune to that as a society. Like, we are. You know, it takes something severe and traumatic for people to actually do stuff and react. And Because we, we are so used to every day going on our social media accounts and seeing, you know, terrible things happening in the world. I mean, right now, look what's going on in the world with the various conflicts and, 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 the, and the divisions that we see. But it's like, you know, one thing happens and then five minutes later another thing happens and then five minutes later another thing happens. And we don't have time to actually just stop and reflect. So these days, I do think they're important because it, it refocuses the mind a little bit. That actually, people, and, and as I, I've said already, rough sleeping is the tip of an iceberg. That doesn't take into account the amount of people who are actually, you know, in terms of accommodation in our, in our region, um, the amount of people so far suffering, the amount of people who are at risk of losing their hopes. I mean, days like this do give us an opportunity to say, hang on a minute, this is not acceptable. As a society... You know, this is not acceptable, what's happening. And we really, really need to do better. So Basil's is holding the, the, the St Basil's Big Sleep Out. Tell me all about yep. that then, Barry. So the Big Sleep Out event is an event that we host every year now. I should say it's, it's an, an event that, that is used to, to raise awareness of what we're trying to prevent ultimately. It's not an attempt to, to recreate rough sleeping. We would never do that. We'd never want to do that. But we do get people to come along uh, they will sleep out for one night um, and raise money for, for the work. So basically the funds that are raised on that evening will prevent future homelessness. And that's really what the focus of that evening is um, for us. So it's, it's a huge fundraiser. It allows us to do the preventative work uh, that will make sure that those people who come to us for support basically make sure that they won't be homeless again. So when does it, when does it begin and end and where does it happen? <laughs> So it's happening at Millennium Point in Birmingham on the 1st of December. Um, it will start at 6 o'clock in the evening and it will run through to about 5 or 6 o'clock the following evening. And I think what I'd say about this event is that it's one of those ones where it really, again, refocuses the mind of what we're trying to prevent because ultimately it's not about recreating the scenarios that sadly some people have to go through. But what it's about is refocusing that mind so when people go home and they have a shower, and they get to their own bed, that's the moment they realise that people, some people have to do this on a daily basis. And again, as I said earlier on, that's not acceptable, that's not right, and that's why we run this event, so people can realise that, take that into the, the workplaces, take that back into their normal lives, speak to their loved ones, speak to their networks, and say, as a society, we really need to be doing better. Have you set a total for um, what, what the amount of money that you're going to raise? <laughs> I mean, this is an event that we would be targeting to raise over £100,000. So it's a, it's a massive fundraiser for us. Um, because, you know, ultimately, I mean, to give you, to put it to some context for you, Clive, it costs us around about £9 per young person per night who stays with us. Now, I want to say this just now, actually, is that before, you know, the various issues have happened in society and, and the cost of living, because it used to cost us £5 per young person per night. So that puts that into context that, the added pressures um, have put on all charities where our costs to deliver really good support have gone up. So that means that more than ever, we really, really rely on our fundraising.
So what tips would you give to people who are looking to sign up to this? And we'll, we'll talk about how people sign up in a moment. But, yep. um, you know, what, what should we bring? Obviously, sort of sleeping bags and such like. But uh, what other top tips have you got? Because really, you want to try and make a facsimile of what a homeless person experiences, don't you, really? Yep. Well, I mean, there's, there's, it's a very fine line that we walk with this, if I'm honest, where, you know, we, we want to keep people as safe as we can. But as you say, you know, ultimately what we're, what we're creating here is that is this is being outside, being the cold weather, um, sleeping on a hard surface, you know, it can't be done. I mean, that's the, the reality of the matter, is that you, you can't do that. So, if, I mean, you, you can think about it, Clive, you know, if you've had a long day at work and you're tired, you're cranky, can you imagine that happening to you on a daily basis? How can you possibly function in society if you can't get a decent night's sleep. Mm. But that's just, again, the, the very, very tip of the iceberg. But, but my advice to people who sign up for this is, you know, make sure you wrap up warm. You know, it is, as I say, an event that's really about giving a taste of, and it's not a fully, you know, about the whole experience of, of rough sleeping because we just would never, ever want to do that. But it is about, you know, making sure that the people are safe. So, you know, wrap up warm. We do supply, you know, cardboard so people can, you know, make some sort of, um, you know, contraption to sleep in in the evening. But ultimately, it's just about making sure you're wrapped up warm uh, and, 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 you know, you know, really embracing what the experience is about. And get people to sponsor as well. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the, the reality is that we can't do our work uh, without the people who sponsor, those who are taking part. And we are so grateful to all of them for doing that. Regretfully, homelessness is a, na um, a national issue, but how yep. much is it a problem in the West Midlands and particularly here in the Black Country? Um, I mean, sadly, I mean, the, the, the issue is, is is really bad in our area. Um, although in saying that, when it comes to youth homelessness, um, we're quite proud at St Basil's that, you know, when the last rough sleepers count was done, uh, there, there, there were no young people rough sleeping on the streets of Birmingham, but I should, or, or, or the streets of West Midlands, but I should say, you know, that, that's any given night. Um, the reality of the matter is, Clive, that nobody really knows the full scale of the issue. All we know are the people who present as homeless. So people who will come to, like, and, and declare themselves homeless with, like, the local councils. So we know that, you know, Sandwell in particular has, a, has an issue around homelessness. Of course it does. Um, but the, the reality is that nobody knows the actual numbers that we're dealing with, you know, and... Um, and, you know, that that's just, when people quote numbers at you, you know, they are based on very, very, very rough estimates. Um, because, you know, we, you know we're, we're counting people who, who are rough sleeping, but, you know, understanding people who are in temporary accommodation, you know, understanding those people who haven't seeked help yet, it's, it's, uh, it's you know, the problem is fairly big. But, you know, we can only deal with what we know and what's in front of us, and, and that's what we'll continue to deal with. Um but yeah, it's it's one of those things that we will continue to to, to be there to support people where they need us. I want to revisit a point you made earlier on, and you were saying that when you <coughs> when your outreach workers um, go out and speak to people on the streets, that's the tip of the yeah. iceberg. And as you said, a lot of the work that you do starts in schools. How do you yeah. how do you go? What do you do when do you go into schools, and do you have conversations yeah. with with students there and staff? And, how, you know, yeah. how do you execute that? Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's very much about education, really. I mean, the, the whole schools thing in particular is, uh, is about talking to, to, you know, both primary and secondary uh, school children. I mean, the, the way that we would talk about, you know, homelessness to, a, you know, a teenager is very different from the way we would talk about it to a, a seven-year-old, which is very different to the way we may talk about it, you know, to a corporate or a politician. But, but it's about 
having those honest conversations about what homelessness looks like. So as, as a rough example is what I would give you is that when I go into secondary schools in particular, what I'm trying to do is challenge perceptions. You know, so I do ask, you know, you know, what, when you think about homelessness, what do you see? What is the image that comes into your head? And, you know, people will go to that image that has, you know, been, you know, you know, you know really sort of kind of enhanced by the media and, and their own sort of, you know, understanding of these things and perhaps what we've witnessed. But as I say, you know, what you're looking at there is, is a quite a small number compared to what homelessness actually is. And, and our, whole, our whole education piece is around demonstrating that homelessness doesn't really have a look as such. You know, it can be anybody. It can happen to anybody. And we always talk about the table and the, the reasons why that homelessness happens. Because here's the thing, Clive, regardless of whether you're talking to a, you know, a, a t- you know, a teacher or a pupil or a corporate or whatever, you know, not all of us, frankly, will be homeless. But everybody can relate to the reasons why homelessness happens. Every single person who's listening right now will have had a, a family fallout, I'm sure. You know, where thankfully it's probably not any than someone having to leave the house, but it could. You know, everybody's had an issue with their physical and mental well-being. Everybody's had an, an issue around their job, where they may have lost a job, may have been made redundant, may have had their hours cut, maybe working a zero-hour contract and, and isn't sure whether or not, you know, they're going to get hours the following weeks, which is put a pressure on their ability to pay their bills and support their family. We can all relate to the issues of homelessness. And that's what we try and do. When we're talking about prevention, that's what we're talking about. Because when people see themselves in an issue, that's when they tend to act. That's when they tend to want to support and do something. A few years ago, I used to be a special constable down in, <coughs> down in Worcestershire, where I live. And invariably, yep. on a Sunday evening, this used to happen on a Sunday, I used to very often get called... Um, to jobs where a child or, yeah. or young person had suddenly absconded from their, their home. Yeah. Um, and perhaps, you know, they, they, the, perhaps their parents were estranged and the child had spent the day with one parent and then went yeah. back home to the other parent and some sort of, you know, fracas had occurred and the child had just sort of stormed off. And, and it was usually on my watch. It was always me that used to have to go and sort these out. Um, but... When, once I could actually track, you know, the young person down, I would actually spend some time sitting and yeah. trying to understand what what had gone on, and some of the stories that they they told me, uh, you know, were really quite quite gut wrenching, quite quite yeah. heartfelt, really. But of course, you know, they had to be returned to the parent, whichever yeah. parent they were living with, or both parents, um, because that was a legal requirement, really, because I didn't have yeah. any reason to believe their safety w- was in jeopardy. Um, yeah. if it was I would have taken a different view but it's always used to happen on a Sunday evening and what I was p- trying to prevent from happening is them you know ending up you know sleeping rough for that night yeah. possibly not going to school the next day um, and trying to understand getting to the root cause of, of why that happened and I found that actually quite challenging so it must yeah. be for, for you and your colleagues it, it is, you know, and you as a communicator, Clive, you know, I mean, like, you know, you, you know, your 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 job is to talk to people and, and, and understand them and, and really get to the root of, of, you know, what they want to talk about. And, and it is a very challenging thing, there's no doubt. You know, I mean, we have, you know, young people at St. Basil's who, you know, who come to us and are so traumatised by what's happened to them that they don't even speak for the first couple mm-hmm. of weeks, you know, and... You know, and you don't know what's happened. But, you know, this is the thing about homelessness is that, you know, we also, 
you know, we have people who, who, who come to us for support because they fell out with mum and dad because they, they didn't buy them an Xbox. You know, it's it's such a mixed bag of, of why people come to us. Now, obviously, we're not accommodating someone who falls under that category. There's obviously been a family fallout, and then usually that's fine. But then we're also dealing with people who have been, you know, you know, basically, you know, there's, there's been all sorts of things that have gone on that are, are horrific, you know. And, and a bit like you, you know, where you're having to make that assessment of, you know, is it safe for that individual to go back to that place? And if it's not, that's when we will accommodate. That's when we will find an alternative. And that's when we work with other services, like, you know, children's services or other organisations. Because ultimately, what we're trying to do is make sure people are safe. And if it isn't safe in the family home or whatever it was they were, that's when we need to kick in and, and provide that support. But it is, there's no doubt it's very challenging. Now, the big bounce and Basil's big sleep out takes place, as you say, Millennium Point on the 1st of December. It starts at 8 o'clock in the evening and will run till around yep. 5 or 6 the next morning. Um, if we want to sign up and take part in this and also get sponsored to raise funds for St Basil's, how do we do that? Well, all I would ask you to do is just visit our website, um, stbasils.org.uk forward slash big sleep out, and you'll find all the details there. Um, you know, if you can't uh, remember that, just, you know, search Big Sleep Out when you, when you go on Google or whatever, you know, uh, thing you use to, to search on the internet um, and you'll find it there. Um, you'll find all the details and, yeah, you, you'll be able to sign up there, um, register for the event and, yeah, you know, we, we look forward to welcoming you um, and, and anybody else who wants to, to sign up uh, on the night. For anybody who isn't an internet user, is there a, a telephone yeah. number, Barry, during office hours, please? Yep, yep. So our number would be 0121. 772 2483. That's 0121 772 2483. And uh, that's the main line number. Where the, the head office part um, is open from uh, 9 o'clock till 5 uh, every Monday to Friday. And uh, yeah, just ask to be put through to fundraising and we'll take care of it from there. Barry, the very best of luck with this. It sounds, uh, you know, an, an invaluable project and certainly the work that St Basil's does as well. So uh, let's yeah. hope you have lots of people taking part and raising valuable funds as well. Barry Hodge, Head of Fundraising and Communications at St Basil's, thank you very much for talking to Friday Night Live. That is your lot for this episode. You can catch the programme live every Friday night on Black Country Radio from 6 o'clock p.m., and if you like our podcast, please subscribe by heading to blackcountryradio.co.uk forward slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. See you very soon. This is a Black Country Radio podcast presented by me, Clive Payne, and produced by Andy Caddick. <laughs>